0: You're listening to Managing Leadership Anxiety, Yours and Theirs, a podcast offered in partnership with Missio Alliance. Each episode, we discuss internal and relational pressures, how they block effective leadership, and how we can move through them to a greater health. And now your host, Steve Kutz. All right, plural bipeds. uh, Episode 158 of Managing Leadership Anxiety, solo episode, the second in a trilogy of concepts and metaphors that I'm fleshing out for my book right now that I'm sharing with you, giving you kind of a sneak peek, also helping me see if I can teach it, right? Like that's also part of what's going on. Anytime we do a solo episode, we light a candle. And once again, today's candle is the wonderful Hobby Lobby, olive oil, thyme, and patchouli candle, thanks to Kevin and the kind folks at Sojourn East in Louisville, Kentucky, Louisville. Yeah. Okay. Um, You know what's funny about the podcast is I always picture you uh, listening to this in the morning. That's probably not always the case. Maybe for some of you, uh, the candle lighting is more in the evening. Nevertheless, here we go. Just light this candle by faith. With that very human prayer, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, that God is with us. Psalm 46, God is an ever-present help in times of trouble. And God is as close to me as this light. In fact, looking at the light on the candle just reminds me that God is present. The simple idea that chronic anxiety displaces our awareness of God, and it puts us on a treadmill to nowhere, and it tells us to try harder, do more of the same, bear down. It sends us messages that aren't true, This is what makes chronic anxiety unique out of all the anxieties. Like trauma, for example, it actually is generated by an actual event. But chronic anxiety is based in a false reality. And so that's why I think recognizing God's presence is such a key part. All right, so we're in a trilogy of episodes. This is part two. You can check part one last week where I attempted to talk about a lobster trap. (laughs) Today we're going to talk about Armageddon, and I say that very cheerfully. Um, The big idea we're exploring right now is the way that assumptions keep us stuck. Man, if you would just know the assumptions you hold that aren't actually true, and if you would just know that changing some behaviors would change your assumptions, you'd be free, that would be amazing. I wish it were that easy. But, you know, humans being humans, we're often the last to recognize our own assumptions. And man, I don't say this as some kind of a Yoda or Dali freaking Lama like a guru. I'm a fellow sojourner like you are. I get anxious all the time. I'm on a continual journey to learn and notice my assumptions. And what I'm trying to do is sift my assumptions through truth because I've bet my entire life that Jesus is the truth and that the truth sets me free. So if I can relate to God in concrete reality, rather than reactively out of my assumptions, I can be free, right? Like Jesus offers peace, freedom, and love, and yet those three dynamics can be elusive to us as humans. And one of the reasons they're so elusive is we get wrapped up in our own assumptions. Okay. So then what we covered last week, and I'll just do a brief recap, there's kind of two sides to assumptions. There's the assumptions about yourself that get you into this mess, but then there are the assumptions that keep you in this mess, and those assumptions are a little more complicated. Those are assumptions you hold about a future without your chronic anxiety. So for example, in my case, I'm famously a chronic people pleaser. Out of the big five sources of anxiety, the big five being control, perfection, having the answer, being there for people, and approval, I have the last three. Having the, I like to have the answer. I like to show you that I'm a smart person. When I'm in a meeting, I want to know. So I'm almost like a kid in the classroom, sticking my hand in the air. Uh, you might imagine when I'm the lead pastor, you know, when I'm the leader in an organization, just how obnoxious that can be at times. I like to be there for people when they're hurting, and I like people's approval. Now, there are a number of assumptions that got me into this mess. And for those of you who are control freaks and those of you who are perfectionists, the same is true, right? We're trying to get something that we think we need that we don't really need. But why don't we change? Because here's the thing about chronic anxiety— One of the things we've been exploring actually in the last couple of years on this podcast is the simple and profound idea that chronic anxiety has a gospel. It is sending you a message. It is claiming that if you just do a certain thing, you will get peace, freedom, and love. The problem is it never delivers on its promise. Chronic anxiety tells me I can worry my way to peace, but I never am able to. What's weird about this is I, I never really pause, right, and reflect on the fact that chronic anxiety is deceiving me, it's lying to me. I just keep staying on its treadmill. And so this podcast and my Capable Life tools, they're all designed to get you off the treadmill, first noticing that you're anxious and then naming the unique sources of your anxiety and then diffusing it uh, so you can experience freedom and peace and love. And once you've done that for yourself, what we do is a deeper dive, particularly in my online self-paced community, where we give you all kinds of tools so you can help notice these dynamics in others. Right. So yours and theirs. The idea that first you take care of yourself, that's the best gift you have to offer your people, is a well self. And your chances of encountering Jesus when you are well are drastically increased, and therefore... Your chances of sharing Jesus with others in ways that really are inviting drastically go through the roof. So particularly those of us in the caring industries where we tend to be others focused, it's harder for us, isn't it, to really recognize that taking care of ourselves, taking care of our own relationship with God is so key. All right. So these big five, control, perfection, having the answer, being there for others, and approval. Armageddon why don't we change? When chronic anxiety never delivers on its promise, why don't we get suspicious of it? Why do we stay on the reactivity treadmill? Well, I think it's because of Armageddon. (laughs) You know Armageddon, right? Not the movie, Uh, the Bruce Willis movie with Ben Affleck and uh, I believe the Aerosmith song. Um, By the way, uh, confession time. I've been doing a lot of traveling lately. I've spent a lot of time on planes lately. And I don't remember where I was flying but I'd been on the road a bit long and I was really missing my family. And, um, I was flying home actually. And I thought, ah, oh, you know what? I'll, I'll, rather than work, I'm just going to watch a movie coming home. So I go on the United app and Armageddon is playing. And I was like, I think I'll watch Armageddon. Friends. I, I teared up so many times watching Armageddon. I was so embarrassed. I, I don't mind crying. I, I'm not embarrassed that I cry. I'm embarrassed that I cry at Armageddon. That's, (laughs) it's such an absurd movie. Um, And then I posted that on Twitter and someone sent me an article that there's some kind of a weird thing that happens on airplanes at elevation where your emotions are, are more heightened. That made me feel better when Bruce Willis was telling Ben Affleck that he's like the son he never had and how proud of him he is. And here I am all tearing up and wanting Bruce to hold me too. Anyway, the Armageddon I'm talking about is the one that the book of Revelation talks about, like kind of the end of all things, right? Like we use the word Armageddon in a very um, destructive way. We say that uh, Armageddon is this giant battle. Um, What I've noticed is that I think one of the key reasons why we don't change, why if you're a perfectionist, you refuse to put an intentional mistake in an email, why if you need people's approval you refuse to stop explaining yourself why if you need to be there for others you refuse to reach out and ask for help these things i think it's because chronic anxiety's gospel says if you don't do this thing i tell you to do armageddon is going to happen armageddon's going to happen the the problem is it doesn't say it that way it's more subtle But I've been doing a bunch of workshops lately where I help people identify where they are on the big five. And then I teach them how to notice their assumptions. And then the final step, the hardest step, is what we call brave practice. You have to bravely do the opposite. If you're a people pleaser, you have to meet with someone that disapproves of you or doesn't like you and not try to win them over. If you have to have the answer, You have to practice sitting in a meeting and not speaking up or even saying, I don't know. And you might be like, well, what if I do know? Well, then you have to lie. And uh, hey, listen, I'm a pastor as a representative of God. God gives you six free lies a year for this kind of work. So that's fine. You can lie. But you have to bravely do the opposite so that you can test the assumption that if you don't get this thing, Armageddon's going to happen. I noticed this in my own life when I noticed that I was putting all of this chronic anxiety and all of this incredible pressure on my preaching. Every week I would feel that I had to give the best sermon you've ever heard, that after the sermon someone would have to say, the Apostle Paul himself could not have come up with such a message. Like, what a phenomenal message. Every week, this, this untenable expectation on myself. And I had to do all of this work man, what assumptions got me into putting all this pressure on my sermons? And of course, some of it was just old-fashioned insecurity and performance anxiety, but some of it I'd kind of picked up just over time, kind of like a, you know, you just pick stuff up as you keep moving through life. I'd I'd picked up because a number of churches in our city and in our region had shut their doors. We went through a five-year period where over a dozen churches closed in our area. And many of these were these fantastic church plants with these really great leaders and people. And, you know, for those of you who don't know, the Denver area is a tough area to plant a church and to have a church sustain. People are generally not interested in church as a whole. Property is very expensive, so going from portable to established is very difficult. All these challenges. Um. And so what I'd picked up in my sermons was kind of this assumption that if I didn't preach gold-standard sermons every week, our church would close too. And that would mean that I couldn't pay my friends, for example. I had some friends on staff. I couldn't make payroll. That would mean things about me as a pastor. All of these assumptions. And what, what kept me on the sermon treadmill was believing if I don't preach fantastic every week, Armageddon will happen. Our church will close. I will have to lay off my friends. I will be a failure. All of these assumptions that aren't true. So like with most of our chronic anxiety work, what you have to do is learn how to think about how you think. You have to get off the anxiety treadmill and really hold in your hand your assumptions. You really have to be able to test them oftentimes you need a group of friends that you can uh, test this with. That's why many people on Capable Life actually sign up together, whether they're friends or co-workers. They'll actually join as a team in our self-paced community so that they can uh, meet together and talk about these things, think about the way they think. So what I'm going to invite you to do is try to identify yourself on the big five and see if you can figure out what assumptions you have, but what Armageddon message is your chronic anxiety selling you that will happen if you don't stay on the anxiety treadmill. Like getting off the anxiety treadmill, anxiety is telling you the world's going to collapse if that happens. I'm thinking of the movie Truman Show. This is partly how they kept Truman in that world for so long, is that they would, they would like. Armageddon would happen if he ever went outside these boundaries. And then one day, of course, he did. So let's talk about the actual battle of Armageddon in the book of Revelation. I preached through Revelation, man, I want to say it was maybe eight years ago, so maybe seven years ago, one of my favorite ever sermon series. Um, you know, Obviously, there's some people that are into Revelation that, that I'm a little suspicious of, to be honest, but what a fascinating book. What an incredible work that John wrote. Um, but when he gets to the Battle of Armageddon, I think there's actually a lot of misunderstanding in pop culture, like with some of our like left-behind type stuff that gets written, because actually in the book of Revelation, um, on the one side you have like Satan and his army gearing up for this giant battle with God, this good versus evil battle, here it comes, Armageddon. But then when the battle finally happens, it's over in the blink of an eye. It just, it's done, because... Because as soon as God is ready for the battle to be done, it's done. Like, right? Like, isn't that the way it is? Oftentimes, even in our like pop theology, we kind of picture Satan as almost as powerful as God, right? Like, we forget Satan's not omnipresent, all knowing. He's a created being. Satan can only be at one place at any time. Like, oftentimes I'll hear people say, oh man, Satan's really testing me. And I just want to say, I don't know that you're that important. You're probably getting like a, lower level, you know, demon or something. You know what I mean? So, like, when it comes to the battle of Armageddon, good versus evil, good triumphs, like, good just triumphs in the blink of an eye. So, the battle of Armageddon in the book of Revelation is really, like, no battle at all. God says, oh, is it time to start? Oh, let's start. Oh, it's over. And God wins. Incredible. Lots of incredible things in Revelation. I'm really not here to talk about Revelation in the podcast, but I do want to offer you that hope that your chronic anxiety is telling you that doom is ahead if you don't strive for this false need. But God is ready to defeat that in an instant. But you will never experience that freedom on the other side of Armageddon unless you test the assumptions. When I've gone into therapy before, And when I got my master's in divinity, I'm not a therapist, but I took counseling classes and psychology classes in seminary. Um, The the professor trained us to ask the client, um, how does their problem benefit them? Whatever is bringing them in for therapy, maybe it's a couple and they're having fights. Uh, The therapist at one point might say, well, how is fighting benefiting you? And when I've gone to therapy too, My therapist has asked me that question when I've come in. I remember I went into therapy a few years ago over some just challenges over church growth. Honestly, our church was growing so fast and I wasn't dealing with it well and the pressure was weighing me down and I went to get some help. And the therapist actually wanted me to name how feeling all this pressure was benefiting me with the simple idea that if it wasn't doing something for me, I wouldn't do it anymore. That's kind of the why we stay stuck in our chronic anxiety. Okay, so Armageddon. The simple idea that your chronic anxiety is saying that doom is on the other side of your false beliefs. Therefore, you have to keep striving. You have to stay on the anxiety treadmill. But I'm here to say that faith is on the other side of your false beliefs. There's a wide open blue sky vista of possibility with God, that as long as you are living in your assumptions about the future, you will not be living by faith. But if you can test your assumptions, give them to God, die to them, sift them through the truth, and then live into God's reality, man, God can dissolve some of these assumptions once and for all. I know many of you are looking to experience transformation and maybe you're struggling or you're finding yourself stuck. This is a very common situation where you keep running into yourself again and again. You're having trouble turning the pressure off. You're having trouble getting that freedom and peace that I keep talking about on this show. So we have four ways that you can engage that will help you have a breakthrough. The simplest way is to purchase our Calm Aware Present journal. It's a 12-week journal and it has two tools to start, and then it provides you with one tool per week for eight weeks. So rather than just a 20- or 30-minute episode, you really get to sit in a tool for seven days. Notice it, practice it, try it, journal about it. Now, here's the little hidden secret about journals. Most people don't journal the whole time. The journal is really designed to get you unstuck. It's not really designed For you to do something every day for 12 weeks so for those of you saying "Eh, i'm not a journaler it's really a tool to help you get unstuck so that's the journal the the best thing we offer is our capable life membership and it's the best thing because it's self-paced you can join with friends or your team we have self assessments that email themselves to you we have 17 modules on there right now so for example maybe you want to learn about yourself but maybe you want to learn How do I dissolve resistance in others when I'm leading change and I'm facing resistance? How do I handle my inner critic? When somebody comes to me anxious, how do I help lower anxiety in another person? These are all modules we offer. We also do monthly Zooms where you can join from people all over the world with our coach, Renee, who would jump on a Zoom. I'm on Zoom four to six times a year on the membership as well. So it's the simplest way to get some FaceTime with me and interact, post a case, all of that and more. The third option is I'm opening up in 2023 intensives. What this will look like is you'd fly into the Denver area for four days. You'd spend time with me and one or more of my coaches, depending on how many are in our cohorts. And we would do genograms together or verbatims together. We'd also teach you the 10 tools of the Capable Life experience. It's a full full deal for four days. I've not yet landed the dates, but I'll be offering several intensives in 2023. You can email me steve at stevecusswords.com for that. And then the fourth option is if you'd like me to come and speak to your team or if you have an organization and you're looking for a keynote on somebody who can help you notice, name, and diffuse chronic anxiety. I was just with a crew at Chick-fil-A Uh, This like three days ago, and a month ago, I was over down at Magnolia in Waco, Texas. So I'm getting around doing that more and more. I'm currently booked through March of 2023. September's already full, but there's plenty of openings the rest of 2023. So those are ways you can engage if you'd like to go deeper. Those of you international, yes, I do do these things over Zoom as well. And I'm frequently in Australia and England, uh, for those of you who want to explore something while I'm in the neighborhood. All right, folks, episode two of the trilogy, episode three, next week. For more resources, visit stevecuswords.com or missyoualliance.org.